episode of the Paperclip Podcast. As always, I'm joined this week by the ever existential Andrew. Andrew, how's it going? Doing very well, Josh. Thanks for that awesome intro. Yeah. So we are we are on the cusp of the new year. It is New Year's Eve here, and um, exiting a really weird year and headed into probably a lot of manufactured optimism, but what's hopefully going to be a better year as a send off to 2020 and a welcome to 2021. What's one thing either about your, your personal life or your business that you've been grateful for in 2020? And what's one thing that you're looking forward to in 2021? For the, for the audience listening right now, these are not screened questions. <laughs> so they're not, they're not, um, there's nothing about them that is, is um, not organic. So these are, these are on the spot. Uh, to answer that though, I would say I'm very grateful to be in business, just a standalone, being able to work in something that I really love to do. And, um, you know, really, really, being able to help businesses grow and, and understand kind of the data behind what basically you, you and I do for, for small businesses. Um, so I'm really grateful about that for 2021. I'm really excited to, I'm really excited about this podcast. Um, I'm really excited to get things moving in a more focused direction for, for my business and also to really just kind of keep growing as an analyst because in our field one thing that you just need to be comfortable with is that things are always changing that inside the platform there's things changing there's things that are being relinquished and things that are being given and you know there there's um, a huge amount of opportunity for us to still learn so much about behavior and, and different kind of aspects in, in in a marketing sense how about you what are you what are you grateful for uh, personally or business-wise from this year? And then also um, going into 2021, you know, what is, what is something you're kind of looking forward to or, or that you're optimistic about? I'm also very optimistic about, about 2021. I was optimistic about 2020. Something that's really impactful to me is that, you know, I'm very grateful that both you and I as business owners have made it through possibly one of the, toughest years um in the in you know in over a decade so it, it speaks to our ability as analysts and also it speaks to um us just being i mean honestly it's just good work so yeah sorry i kind of i took that one getting emotional here <laughs> no i i mean i get emotional thinking about 2020 because i actually had a really good year and I think also like being in business definitely speaks to, you know, customers that have given us a chance and stuck with us and provided us with the means to continue our business and to continue growing it. But it's not without also getting them results on their end. So the professional relationships built that way, I think is something that I'm really grateful for from 2020. But the thing that I'm most grateful for, I think, was being quarantined with my wife because... And there's a lot of people out there who ended up like quarantined alone. Mm-hmm. Um, I know for sure that divorce rates are way up also. Mm-hmm. 
I could not have picked a better person to have to stay stuck inside with for like what the last nine or so months. I'm not, yeah. I'm not mathing right now. So <laughs> I'm, that's definitely like the biggest thing that I'm most thankful for because she, she made it easy. And I think as a couple, we ended up growing together much more tightly. Very happy for that. And headed into 2021, I think it's, it's the opportunity for growth is my businessy answer. Honestly, I'm looking forward to traveling again at some point next year, state parks and, um, and national parks being just completely open all the way again. I, I know in a lot of places they are in some places, they're still pretty shut down, but I want, want no limitations on travel. And I want us to do one podcast from Guadalupe Peak this year. That's awesome. Yeah, that's the goal. That, that's going to yeah. be the... I've always wanted to have a summit meeting. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. A summit meeting yeah. on the we'll, summit. It'll be like the, uh, the pay-per-click podcast summit 2021, but it's just two dudes on the top of yeah. a really big rock talking. <laughs> yeah, everyone on, up, up there is just going to be like, who, who are these two lunatics? It's like, Can you guys keep it down? We're trying to just show here. Yeah, pretty much. That'll be pretty cool, though. Over the last few weeks, we've been covering KPIs, uh, key performance indicators. We've been talking about metrics that are important to us and our business and working to build a general foundation of how some of the basics of Google ads work. This week, we're going to discuss when advertisers should get started with Google ads. And what we've done is put together kind of a list of four things that we think are required and two things that we feel are highly recommended. But to, to kick off the topic, do you think pay-per-click as an overall strategy is right for anybody? The way I like to think about this is that I, I believe that marketing can be for pretty much any business. That's regardless if it's a service-based business or if you're doing some type of like consulting or, or kind of in any capacity. I believe that there always needs to be an aspect to it that is marketed. Because business, it, it kind of comes down to its lifeblood, so to speak, is generating new business. And how you generate new business is one, by providing a fantastic product that is going to be something that is needed. But it's also kind of really understanding that in order to grow, you are going to need more clients. And with Google Ads, I've had success in it, I think so have you, in a, in a multitude of different industries and verticals, but there are a handful of industries that it works specifically well in. You know, there, there are things that Google Ads has a, a longer window of opportunity for that sale to kind of actually happen. Um, it works really great for lead generation for attorneys, for real estate investors. It's a little bit tougher for B2B, for example, but it doesn't mean it doesn't work. It just means that that window of opportunity that somebody, that time horizon has been extended a little bit longer. It also means that the return on investment is much more. So um, I believe that Google Ads is pretty much for everybody. I think it's, you know, this could be the kind of analytical side of my brain talking right now, but it is, beneficial to test and to test it over a, a good amount of time. I think that Google ads is 
and pay-per-click in general are definitely for people who have thought about the points that we're about to be bringing up. Like if kind of if they hit all the marks, then yeah, then Google Ads and pay-per-click is right for you. If you don't find yourself hitting any of these marks, then Google Ads or pay-per-click might not be the right strategy for you. It might be something where you need to you know, look at direct mailing, look at cold calling, look at sending RVMs, even like door-to-door and person-to-person type selling might even be better. It, it kind of, like you said, depends on if you have something that people need or want and what the demand for that service is in that area, if it's something that people are going online to search for or not. So I think, I think Google Ads and pay-per-click will work for most people in most industries. You would have to really work hard to weed yourself out of the general population that, that this marketing channel will work for. So Andrew, why don't you go ahead and dive into the first of the, what we feel are required items for you to get started with Google Ads and pay-per-click. Yeah, absolutely. So the way that we've kind of rationalized this, this podcast is to kind of give everybody here the, the, the mechanics of what we believe is, are, are the most important things for any Google ads or, you know, Bing or, or really any search engine marketing kind of um, initiatives that you might have. So just to get this out of the open for Google ads and Bing for that matter, they're expensive and it, it's, it's, it's a timely kind of marketing initiative. Uh, one of the most important aspects to getting started with Google or, you know, any paid marketing for that matter is really to have the correct expectation. And, you know, that being said that it really does kind of come down to your industry. If, if you have experience in that industry um, and I'm talking about specifically the analysts who you may be working with, or if you're deciding to do this on your own, being objective about your own business, it's actually a, a lot harder to do um, that alone than it is to have somebody who specifically just focuses on that particular industry or has a lot of experience with, you know, pay-per-click. Like, for instance, I work specifically with, um, similar to Josh, like with real estate investors. I also work with attorneys and, and law firms. And I can tell you from experience that with, like, Real estate investment, I would always suggest kind of going into the market, regardless of, of really, honestly, size, because the cost per click is kind of just ticking up year over year. 3K for smaller markets, um, you know, sometimes you have to work with more like a 5K, which is a little bit medium-sized market. There's some markets like in Los Angeles, some in Florida, you really can't even go into market and productively produce a large amount of leads that are actually going to turn into a deal for the investor without, you know, sometimes 10 K. Oh yeah. Like a lot of large metropolitan areas. They're like Chicago, Phoenix, Houston, DFW, throw all those in there too. Atlanta's another one. Yeah. Huge. Like those are the nice thing about the, you know, whether, whether it's for real estate investors or in, in even for law firms, for example, the CPC or the, the cost per click in, in specifically law, it, it's astronomical. I mean, like it, it skyrocketed in the past few years and it keeps going up. And it's because Google is aware that, you know, if somebody's searching for a 
personal injury lawyer um, and, you know, they're looking for, for example, like personal injury attorney near me. And then you give a geo location, like personal injury attorney near me, you know, Dayton, Ohio. That's the most intent and motivation right there because that person isn't looking for a donut shop. That person literally is looking for a personal injury attorney. And those cases, you know, the return for the attorney or the, you know, the, the law firm, they're pretty high. They're, they're, you know, when they, when they score those type of clients and I've come across specifically for law, depending on your area of course, and the area of practice, you're going to be looking at starting the month at, at 5k to be competitive so that your ads are showing up, um, you know, at the, at the top of the page, I've, I've worked with some clients that go all the way up to 20 to, to, to 30 K a month on, on this is their primary primary place where they're putting all of their marketing dollars to get them leads because it works. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, any business owner who, if, if this works for you, it makes sense to keep feeding the, um, the, you know, the Google, Google ads machine, but it, it works specifically well for those. Uh, one of the things that I love the most about Google ads is really its ability to show just progressive return on investment. Um, that doesn't mean every month over month, you know, you're going to be showing like, oh, we're just growing exponentially because it's marketing. And it's also a market that's kind of constantly in flux. For example, you know, the past nine months, they've been unprecedented. Like they've been, they, they've had, there's been so much fluctuation that trends that were happening in the prior nine months didn't happen until now because things have changed, you know? it's a part of an ecosystem. So you kind of always have to have that notion in mind. And I, I know it's um, the importance of, of not only making sure things are working, but that, you know, that we're doing this together and that we're, we're able to move the needle, so to speak, of, of you know, affecting your bottom line is, is really what's important to see that um, with data and, and to be able to tell a story with that data. And that's, that's usually something when working with anybody I like to always, you know, be very honest and, and mention that it's, look, this is what we're working with because in reality, you know, if you're, if you're looking at a very expensive cost per click, I have to do everything in my power to make sure that, you know, it doesn't take 30 clicks for you to get a lead, you know, in some industries, you know, that that's, that's normal, but for usually higher return on investment kind of clients, um, you know, you really, really need to buckle down and, and focus in. And that's why it requires that amount of budget. Um, but you will always see, um, I've run in, and I'm sure Josh has too, we've audited hundreds of campaigns and accounts through the years. And you'll see like, oh, I was getting a, you know, 55 cent cost per, cost per lead. And they're talking about the click. And they're also talking about a click that happened on display network, which for lead generation, I, I mean, I won't say it's meaningless, but it's it's kind of meaningless. Like there's there's really no no way of saying like, oh yeah, this certainly is what generated that lead, and and it usually tracking is off and all, all of that good stuff. But well, you could look we, at click through conversions and get pretty accurate data. I think. Yeah, I mean, you can. Hopefully, the tracking is set up correctly, and there, there's a whole other gamut of things that can that can come off of. Uh, off of budget, but some of the, you know, that, that key point of kind of going in, going into the, um, the conversation 
of kind of knowing that I usually, you know, for real estate, three to five is usually about where the, where the client's comfortable. And then attorneys, it's going to be anywhere, you know, five on up on the monthly spend, just because it, it both, both of the, I didn't realize this until I, I looked back and I might be taking a little bit more airtime, but I, Josh and I have been in the industry for a very long time. And looking back, I never realized how competitive and then also how really when it comes to management, we are distilling specifically for real estate investment. We're distilling down like not just a lead, but like somebody who closed a deal on a home that the margins are incredibly high. So it's very competitive, but when it works, it works well and it works for everybody. So, you know, I, I didn't realize that until I, I was, I was like, Oh yeah, I was in real estate investment and I, I did PVC for that. And any, anybody I said that to um, candidly, they're like, what, you figured that out? Like, how did, how, how's that work? And I was like, Oh, well, it's et cetera, magic. Et cetera. Yeah. I mean, because we were just doing such a good job at, at I've been work. referred to as a wizard more than one yeah, time in my day. Yeah. Yeah. You get the, uh, the wizard, you get the, uh, I need a Google ads ninja, I've heard the ninja one a lot, a guru and stuff like that. And it's, it's not, I, know, it's I think just, a wizard probably makes more sense. Like if you were Google ads ninja. Wouldn't you just like assassinate the competition? It's not nice. Yeah, that's not, that's true. It can be done, but it's not, it's not necessary. Oh yeah. It's way too easy. Yeah. It's too easy. <laughs> and the point that Andrew was hitting on all along was adequate budget. Like that's that first main topic that we're covering. I think there's a correct budget for every Google Ads situation. So if you plan to start Google Ads with a small budget, that's fine. But you need to make sure that your target market is small and that you understand that lead gen is going to take way longer than maybe you initially expected. This is how a ton of marketers and business owners get started in Google Ads and leave with bad tastes in their mouths. A lot of that comes right down to budget. This is somebody who goes into, let's say, the Atlanta market and wants to start like a, a chiropractic clinic and they want to start generating leads at like a hundred dollars a day, they'll probably generate some, but not as much if they were to put like five grand into a campaign and show up above all of the other people who are also trying to open up chiropractic clinics. I really need to be more careful with my word choice and not artificially create tongue twisters for myself. I think this is the second week in a row I've done that. But the same thing in, in real estate investing. If you go into Miami with a $25 a day budget, the only thing that you're going to do is spend $25 a day. It's going to yeah. take you a long time to generate a lead at that budget in a market that this, that's that size or that's that competitive. One way that I help clients understand their budgetary needs is to look at the following. Market size, cost per leads in similar sized markets, and we look at how many leads on average it takes to get a deal. So if I have a client in an area of a million and a half people, I know from research, but also from a lot of experience that the cost per lead in a busy market that's that size is going to be $150 to $200 per lead. I can do some research in those markets and take past experience with other clients, even current experience, and figure out what a lead to deal ratio looks like. So how many leads it takes to get one deal. And for this example, I'll say that 10 to one. So for every 10 leads, you'll get one deal out. So the equation turns into leads per deal times cost per lead equals your budget. So in this instance, that puts you 
at or above the $3,000 a month mark for budgeting in, a, uh, in an area of a million and a half people to generate motivated seller leads. If you come in under that, you can still generate leads. They might either be more expensive or they'll end up, it'll take you longer to generate that 10 leads that it takes to get one deal. You have to do some research with numbers, but a pretty solid budget to start with can be determined from the beginning. If you don't have the budget, don't start the campaign because all you're going to end up doing is wasting money and then ending up with a really bad impression of what Google ads can do for you. If you come in with a, at least an accurate budget to start, you can scale up or down from there based off of research and based off the results that you end up getting. I think I've said this in a previous episode that Google ads isn't something that you can just dip a toe in the water and see how it works out for you. You have to be able to commit the resources to it in order for it to be successful for you. And starting out with an adequate budget is kind of like the biggest hump to get over. Yeah. And I I think that really sums it up. Um, And I think that leads into our next point, which is kind of like capacity for growth. Yeah, capacity for growth is something that always needs to be accounted for upfront. As a business owner, do you have all of your lead intake processes in place? Do you have an idea about the volume that you as a one-person operation can handle? Do you have a plan to expand your team if you start to get overwhelmed? Pay-per-click is a powerful marketing tool, but I've seen it drag businesses down because clients will get too many projects on their hands at one time and have to completely shut down their business until those projects are done. So I specialize in real estate investing, and I have seen people who have generated just a massive amount of leads up front, I guess more than they expected, even though the projections that we went over had those numbers listed, and we just about hit that mark. But what they didn't account for was that so many of those leads would end up turning into deals for them. So they ended up with more flips that they could handle and not enough wholesalers in their network to offload those deals. They had to completely shut everything down marketing wise, uh, branding wise, everything until they could get those deals off their plates because they didn't have a plan for either scaling their personnel or they didn't have a plan to increase their network size to deal with that many projects. I really feel like having a realistic expectation of what you can handle up front as a business owner is important. So one way to combat that up front is to manage your time effectively up front. And one thing that I do continuously to ensure that my time is divided up accurately is to decide what the goals are that I want to hit a quarter at a time, determine how much time needs to be spent on the tasks that will lead me to those goals, and then map those out hour by hour throughout every day in a planner or a Google sheet. So having a process like that in place can help you determine what you can actually handle upfront time-wise. It can show you when to scale or even how to scale, like whether you hire people or whether you just grow a network that you offload leads and deals to. Figuring out what it is that you can handle time-wise will figure out where all of your other resources are more accurately spent for your business model and for where you see yourself going, but you have to have some kind of planning in place to make that happen. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I I totally agree. I think, I think you really kind of put it, put it well when working with any business, 
um, for lead gen or, or just really in any kind of marketing avenue, understanding that there's always going to be an expectation that is usually unrealistic to what the market is actually going to be able to provide. And knowing going into anything, having the, the hindsight to understand those questions and like, like Josh mentioned, you know, do you have a lead intake process? You know, do you have an acquisitions person? Do you have a, uh, something as simple as like, Hey, do you have a phone number that's going to go directly to your cell phone? Or do you have like an actual uh, team of people that are able to take that call whenever that lead comes in? And, you know, I can't tell you how many yeah, that's times a big I, one. Yeah. Like you, you're going to be Google ads works. I mean, it, it's just, it, it, it does work, especially when it's done directly. So usually the problem or the issue that comes up and it probably for both of us is that are you able to handle the the lead gen that we're able to produce because i think we're both really good at what we do and usually you know like josh mentioned just now are, are you able to handle that amount of volume and and you know more times than not it unfortunately comes down to like hey can we pause this can we turn it off i didn't know that i was you know it seems like the direct mail that I did three months ago was coming in, uh, getting a lot of leads that way. And uh, along with the, with the Google ads and, and, you know, I know I said to go to Bing as well. It, it starts to get overwhelming, especially for a one or two, a three man team, uh, you know, man or woman team. It, it really is something that you, you do have to be aware that, you know, it starts to churn fairly quickly because what we're talking about here is, you know, we're experts at, analyzing data and we're, we're able to reduce what we need to do and, and we take it really seriously. We have that expectation for the businesses usually that we work with as well. Um, you know, do you have plans to expand your team? You know, because it gets really fun when it's like, wow, this works. I need to get more people and staff. That happened for a client of mine no more than two months ago. They're like, yeah, we need to hire an acquisitions person. Somebody, somebody just to handle how to navigate a customer that's coming in. Those are good problems to have. I mean, those are, that's fantastic because that means that what we're doing is working and it's working for your business. And that's when it starts to really start to churn. And you, you being in the, putting your best foot forward when it comes to capacity for growth is, is really important. And having that mindset as a business owner um, is really important as well. So the next topic we're going to cover is demand for service. And Andrew, you want to lead us through that one? The way I like to think about it, if you're a business, whether you're, you know, B2B or you're going direct to customers and, and direct to consumers, you should understand one, that marketing should be a part of your yearly budget. You should allocate, and this kind of speaks to what we were saying before, you should allocate some, you need to be prepared for it. And you need to save for the spend that's going to be uh, used. Now, are there people looking for your your particular product or service? Yeah, probably. I mean, there's pro there's there's people there's constantly new searches coming up for not new industries, but so much more so in the sense of like there's always going to be people looking for particular businesses, you know, especially in that you know kind of service area base. So. Are they willing, basically in that funnel when you're thinking about that, okay, you can have people searching. Are they willing to work with you? Like, are they willing to pay for your service 
to become a customer on your end. Um, and the odds start to get a little slimmer. You know, you, you start to see like, oh, well, there's tons of volume here. But these clicks don't amount to anything. You know, again, I know marketing works. Josh knows marketing works. And, and we've seen it work really well firsthand. And although PVC works more effectively for a handful of services, it can work for most as long as the demand is there. When the, the way that I like to judge demand is usually by doing keyword research. So if there's volume in your specific area for a specific keyword, it, one, it doesn't mean that you're the only person advertising on that keyword because there is competition, but it also tells you, you know, myself as the analyst that this keyword is something that's working. Uh, this is something that it more than likely going to generate conversion for you. And you know, I always go back to the easy analogy of like, if, if you're a locksmith, for example, when somebody types in locksmith near me, I would say anywhere from like, if you're looking at like a 10 out of 10 clicks, seven of those clicks usually are going to be somebody who is literally looking for a locksmith near them. You know, yes, of course, there could be a few that are just like clicking on ads. That's where those three um, kind of top clicks go. But for the most part, in this example, those people are going to turn into calls. They're going to fill out a form. They're people that are looking for the locksmith service. So understanding that there's a handful of kind of keywords that are going to be working, probably producing the most conversion for you um, is, is, is something to kind of understand when it comes to demand of service and doing the correct keyword research um, in hindsight and going into it with your best foot forward is, is the best approach that I've seen work across campaigns, regardless of industry. And, and it's, you know, it, it, it comes down to competition in a particular area. It also comes down to if there's volume in that area, literally are there people even searching in that area? Because although a locksmith can be used, if you're in a tiny town of like, you know, a hundred people, the chances are slim. So it, it, you do need volume and you also need the click uh, data to back that up. Keyword research can definitely give you a good idea of what demand is in a market for a specific product or service. Like if you're trying to sell Texas flags in New York City, just stop. Just yeah, <laughs> yeah. market to Texas and then ship them or start making New York flags because you're not going to get a lot of searches for you know, where can I buy a Texas flag in New York City? But you'll sell out if you target Texas. A keyword research can give you that idea if you look up a comparison between like New York flag and Texas flag uh, based out of any New York zip code using that keyword tool in Google Ads. You'll, you'll see a very clear indication of which one of those you could sell more of. Something else that you can look at is saturation in your market. So if your market is saturated with specialists, that normally means that there's an established number of viable leads in your market. For real estate investors, you could even pull a list of total cash sales in your target area or just look at cash sales in MLS and get an idea of what market viability is to you. If you do find that there's an overall low volume of searches or there isn't a lot of saturation in your market, don't worry, Google ads or pay-per-click advertising could still be viable for you. It might just mean that there's low to no competition in your market, which means that you could have lower advertising costs and show up for 100% of those motivated type searches that you're looking for in order to sell your product or your service. 
even if you see that keyword search volume is low for what it is that you're trying to sell or there's low saturation, it also means that starting a starting this marketing channel could be low risk, high reward for you. You just have to weigh out what the maximum cost would be for you to spend in order to get a customer and figure out if that makes sense for you. So while we do have six total points to go over for knowing when you should get started with Google ads and pay-per-click advertising, this podcast is running a little bit long. So we're going to go ahead and split it up into two parts. So this will be your first part, and then we will air the second part of this next week. Just to keep it split up and not jam a bunch of information into one podcast in one listening. Before we jump off, Andrew, is there anything that you'd like to leave our listeners with before we head off into 2021? Um, thank you for everybody who's listened to the podcast thus far. Um, I hope everybody has a wonderful new year and keep listening because there's a, a, a handful of, of great, great things that we'll be, we'll be introducing in, in 2021. And we hope to kind of let everybody know about Google ads. Yep. Everybody have a safe and happy new year and we will see you next year. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the pay-per-click podcast. Remember to like, share, and subscribe wherever you're listening. And if you're getting a lot out of the show, leave us a five-star review too. We'll catch you on the next episode.